Welcome to episode 285 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. This week, we'll be talking about the somewhat uh, startling, scary, scientifically significant news out of Hong Kong that uh, the first babies whose germline has been edited uh, using the CRISPR technique have been born, and uh, their genome has been edited in such a way that they are immune to HIV. That was the purpose of the experiment conducted by a Chinese scientist in secret over the course of two years. And uh, it is causing a tremendous uproar in the scientific community at the moment. It's sort of stories unfolding right now, but there's been much objection as to the way in, in which the science was done, how it proceeded, how it wasn't transparent, and sort of the rather dangerous consequences and you know precedents that this experiment has has set uh, and in fact this morning noted that uh, there could be a third baby also a third crispr altered human being coming into the world potentially so this experiment continues and uh, the world is just reacting to it at this point and so for, for our listeners what is crispr what is crispr alteration like very specifically what what is it that we're talking about John right so you can think of crispr as an editing tool, like a, like a pair of scissors that can go in and, and, and cut out a specific area of a gene and uh, enable that gene to be edited, you know, changing the sequence so that, you know, perhaps a uh, genetic abnormality could be edited in such a way that it is returned to a normal state. It was discovered probably say within within the past uh, three years, I'm going to the, get the date wrong, so I'm just going to be somewhat vague about that. But ever since the discovery, the science has proceeded apace and, the, and there's been tremendous excitement about you know, the potential of this technology. Obviously, these types of edits can be conducted in sort of you know, any kind of living thing, you know, whether you're talking about uh, plants and animals all the way up to human beings. But the progression has been, you know, surprisingly fast, <laughs> you know, moving from, uh, like I said, you know, the plants and animal stage to now, you know, living human, human beings is quite surprising. Derek, I would be interested in your thoughts as to, you know, the pace of this change to me is, is, kind of scary you know how 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 are you looking at it uh, yeah it's a little scary it, you know for me it's not it's not surprising at all i mean we've talked about crispr on the show a few times and you know I, i've been pretty consistent in saying there will be you know human babies that are crispr modified they will come from china in terms of time frame i, I didn't really think about that or have a sense so i don't know if i'm I'm surprised one way or the other, but um, about time. But I'm certainly not surprised that it's happened. Not surprised it came from China, but a little concerned about sort of the, you know, the lack of uh, due diligence and uh, plunging in was still a lot of unknowns. Um, but not surprised. And yeah, it's you know CRISPR. I mean CRISPR has actually, from a conceptual standpoint, been around for for 30 years. The 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 sort of technology stack that's led us to where we are today is something called Cas9, which um, is just from this this decade essentially. So like you like you mentioned, it's it's really new. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not the least bit surprised it's happened. Not the least bit surprised it's from China, but I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable that it's here. Yeah, I think you know the doors that this opens are are ones that I don't think we're fully prepared to understand the the implications and the consequences. So there's been quite a bit of protest coming from this uh, second annual human genome editing conference that's taking place in in Hong Kong right now. And part of that is because the ethical boundaries that are intended to check, you know, to sort of hold in place the the progression of science uh, in this area have clearly been breached. And I, I think even the, <laughs> the university uh, where the scientist is working, you know, is, is, surprised and you know instigating their investigation as well certainly i think it's something that that was bound to happen just given the just sort of the level of importance of this technology you know it was bound to happen and i think the human hubris this uh desire for being first uh, i don't know what it is this this combination of things um, it's power john it's power you know sure it- yeah, I mean, it, what what we've learned in you know the last hundred or so years as science and technology have have barreled forward at, at a breakneck pace is that there's no limits, there's no limits, and it's endemic to large, powerful societies. I mean, to to me, this is very similar to the development of the atomic bomb. So, uh, once we had the knowledge on you know creating these reactions and theoretically could see the path to the atomic bomb, once we reached that point. It was inevitable and indeed proved to be the case that uh, the bomb was developed. And it was developed first by the United States. Other nations were trying to develop it at the same time. And oh, looky there, not only did we develop it, but we, develop it, but we were dropping the thing. Um, and, you know, there's historical arguments in, in both directions about that. But it certainly it was a contentious decision. And this is very similar. So when you talk about the dropping of the atomic bomb, that part of it was a part that you can't say, oh, it's about Nazi Germany. It's about Imperial Japan. That's about power. That's about whipping it out and throwing it on the table and saying, look how big we are. And it started a whole new reality. And thankfully, since then, a lot of atomic bombs aren't being dropped outside of testing contexts, but they're there. You know, we now have a world full of atomic weapons that could, you know, create a situation that is catastrophic at any time. And, you know, here we have the Chinese who are intent on becoming the preeminent world power and are over a course of decades, have had a strategic plan and have very successfully executed it. And, uh, you know, going back to sort of World War II again, you know, there was the, the project in the United States called Operation Paperclip, bringing scientists over from Germany to gain an advantage over their antagonists. This, what's done with CRISPR, came out of a similar project in China, where China is luring back the, the scientists such, right. such as yep. he, who have gone around the world, gotten educated at the best universities, in the past would have stayed in the West. China is enticing them back. And, you know, now, now I'm going to go into the realm of speculation a little bit. In this story, in the reality of what's happened, there's currently a kabuki theater going on where China is acting shocked and saying, oh, my God, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have allowed this. We wouldn't have advocated for this. 
you know, the project is frozen at the moment from a public facing perspective uh, because the scientific community's reaction to it is so negative, is so alarmist. So, so China's going through the motions of shock and outrage, but the reality is they, uh, you know, they are bringing back cats like he to China with promises of being able to do exactly this kind of thing. Because in, in the United States and in the scientific community in general, if you're participating in that community, you know, that's not going to be allowed. That's not going to be accepted. And China is, because China isn't the um, sort of international hub of the bureaucracy and the leadership of these kind of things, they're the upstart. They're trying to bring people back and incentivize them with the opportunity to conduct research such as this that is on the fringes or outside the bounds of what the international scientific community would allow or advocate. Um, we are watching the playbook run out step by step. And this is just the beginning. You know, this is, there's not a lot of stories. Like, I mean, CRISPR-Cas9 was, was so monumental that when they did the X-Files reboot, they were talking about it on the X-Files reboot, right? So that tells you, like, there's something here that, that is sort of so profound that it's permeating into, you, you know, stupid popular culture right. um, as, as uh, almost a meme. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so there's not a lot of moments like this. It's not like we're going to have, you know, just shocking reality out of shocking reality coming out of China. But, but there's, there's just no denying the fact that they're, they're, they're pulling in great minds, you know, really talented, ambitious people who, in some cases, like the case here with, with uh, Professor He, who want to go beyond the bounds of what the scientific community will allow. And again, going back to the atomic bomb, I mean, I mean, it's, just, it's just sort of what the, the biggest example of, if we can do it, we will do it. Um, it might be sooner, it might be later, but it will happen. It will likely happen as part of a, an assertion of power, an attempted expansion of power. And you know, going back to when Jason Grant was on the show and talking about human development models, until we develop a little bit more and get out of this, uh, you know, nationalistic, tribalistic power acquisition mindset, which was necessary when we had to fight bears to survive, but is not necessary in the 21st century, then the advances that we have in science, such as CRISPR-Cas9, such as atomic power and energy will be perverted to their extreme and ultimate consequence. And so the moment we have right now is, is saying, okay, I mean, in reality, what, what Professor He is doing is, is a, a, my, a tiny step. Like, uh, he's not doing with the technology some of the things that we might find most alarming, such as trying to create let's say, uh, going to a sci another sci-fi meme, trying to create super soldiers. Right. Professor, he, as far as we know, is not in the lab engineering the future super soldiers of China to, to take over the world. Uh, you know, he's playing with just one little modification, particularly aimed at uh, blocking, uh, you know, the HIV virus in particular, although it, it has other uh, sort of positive uh, impacts on on preventative health as well. You know, so this is just teeny. But we inevitably will get to the point where the, someone is creating the super soldier. That might be happening by the stewardship of the Chinese government, of another government, 
Uh, certainly the United States is not above bad behavior. So uh, I don't just want to put a scarlet letter on China here, even though I, I do think China, given the, the geopolitics, is going to be sort of driving and spearheading a lot of the, the dark stuff. But, but you know, more, more is on the way. So, yeah, I guess, I guess that was a lot. Um, but I'm, I, I'm not at all surprised. I think history, you know, let us know that this was going to happen. It's going to continue to happen. There will be more. The more will start to alarm us and get into the boundaries of where, whereas we can say, oh, you know, if we could be genetically modified to never get HIV, that's just sort of a good thing. Forgetting the fact that, of course, it would be limited to the wealthy, uh, you know, the, the class issues that we continue to, to struggle with and, and are foolish about. Um, but in, in theory, the idea that we could block that disease is a good thing. We're, we're just going to careen, though, into more contentious, um, you know, and ambiguous moral ground um, in the years ahead. And there's just no stopping it. This moment and the fact that the scientific community reacted so strongly will slow it down. It will certainly push it farther underground but it sure as hell isn't going to stop it, John. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree with that, Stephen. I, I think that when I'm considering, uh, you know, sort of my, my initial statement around, uh, you know, I'm surprised by the speed of the technological adoption. And, and you rightly pointed out this is coming out of whether, you know, overtly being sponsored by, the Chinese government or, you know, covertly, there's funding behind this effort that accelerated it. But my concern, perhaps, is in the way that technologies roll out and get uh, sort of adopted in, in, a, in a wider sense. And I see in CRISPR especially, but also other implementations of biotech, uh, sort of this progression forward that perhaps is, you know, abandoning caution and leaving us exposed to, you know, as we've talked about before, the unintended consequences of new technologies. Now, we are living with the leftover unintended consequences of the industrial age. We're steeped in it, right? Our climate is changing massively because of the unintended consequences of the industrial age. In fact, we may have sent the planet into, you know, some awful uh, scenario that we can't recover from. And that is from something perhaps, you know, much more simple, which is, you know, the internal combustion engine, uh, which we all sort of have in our garages. And so to think about the way in which we're moving into this biotech age, sort of with this recreating the same types of mistakes that we, that we started with during the industrial age, which is this pursuit of the technology and implementation without very much thought to the consequences. So I don't know that there's like... It would far be it for me to, you know, understand how, how, you know, what kinds of speed bumps need to be in the, in, in the way. Clearly, the scientific community didn't have enough of those barriers or speed there bumps. Are no speed bump. there, are no, there are no speed bumps. There's no way to stop it. The, the, the technology is, is it's pretty easy, actually. Um, I, you know, you and I as laymen couldn't figure it out. But, you know, for, for any uh, geneticist, I mean, it's, it's trivial. Um, so anyone who, who can make a lab um, and, and get these, you know, relatively um, available tools and resources 
can do this. The genie's out of the bottle. There's, there are no speed bumps. The answer truly is one of human development. We, if you think about from like 1820 or the 1820s, uh, how far has technology come from the 1820s? We were still on horse and buggy. The idea of flying was pure science fiction. Um, uh, you know, I mean, computers, give me a break. Like the technology was, was so far behind where we are now. And, but the president of the United States was a thug and an ignorant, similar to the president of the United States today. Like we have not evolved. We have not developed. We have created this technology that's incredibly powerful, but we collectively in terms of our development as a social species are no or, or very little far better collectively than we were in the 1820s. We, we just haven't progressed. And in order to keep up with the technology, we need to be progressing. We need to be, be developing so that we are uh, more self-confident, that we are more self-possessed, that we are, are not tribalistic in how we're structured and how we frame and think about the world. We need to be more holistic thinkers and, and see ourselves as part of cooperative social systems. And we're not there. We're not close to there. I mean, in the United States, the word socialism to some majority remains like, like, you know, the third rail. It's, 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 you know, um, we aren't developing and we need to, because it's the only speed bump. The only speed bump is that we get smarter collectively, not an elite but collectively, the masses, the, the, the group of us, and we're so far away from that as to be, to be ridiculous. So I, I love the idea of we need speed bumps. They, they're not going to happen until the scientists, the people who have access to the technology themselves, are self-possessed enough to say, there's, there's just no need to do this. There's no point. The gains are gains that don't matter, and the, the downsides are downsides that would be horrific. Right now, the gains do matter. They matter big. It's big stakes. We're still caught in, in these weird old, you know, I, I used 1820 just because I like the Andrew Jackson to, mm-hmm. to Donald Trump uh, a parallel, but we're still mucking around in the same bullshit that they were in, in, you know, the Roman Empire. I mean, we're still, we're still in those days from the standpoint of, of power and structure. I mean, Putin marching around and, and you know, doing, doing the things that he's doing, um, we have not advanced. We have not developed, become collectively more mature, collectively wiser. We're sort of the same ignoramuses that we were uh, even thousands of years ago. And, and it could end up being our undoing because the technology is hurtling at such a fast rate. And, and we, we aren't keeping up with it, John. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we are mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everyone, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you'd like to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett, that's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D-Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 285 of The Digital Life. 
For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.